Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr, joined with Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And we have two guests, Jake. I'm Jake. And Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. You can find me at Rope Dart Raptor on Tumblr for however much I post, which isn't much. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, really. It's just have it now, whatever. Social meh. It's too cool for that. Anyway, okay. Um, so thanks, guys, as we continue um, with our reading of the Tyrion and Sansa chapters from A Storm of Swords. We are going into Tyrion 6, I believe this one was. Did I read the right chapter? Yeah, I hope the one so. I read, I hope so. Okay, well, it doesn't matter because whatever one I read, you have to chime in on. <laughs> no, I did read that oh, one. God. <laughs> okay, so heads up to everybody who may be a new listener. We do spoil everything on this podcast. So books, show, all the things. Things that aren't even A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones related sometimes. Spoilers. Okay, what? uh... <laughs> so our chapter begins with a disappointing dinner for Tyrion and Sansa, and after which Sansa lets Tyrion know that she's going down to the Godswood. She's pretty devout by Tyrion's observations, um, going down to the Godswood, plus spending time in her fair time in the Sept. Uh, he tells her to dress warmly, and then they part. Tyrion... Um, is kind of wrestling with trying to make sense of Littlefinger's ledger books. He thinks that if he'd known how bad the crown's debt was, he'd never let Joffrey kill so many antler men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. He's happy to escape the books when his father beckons him to a small council meeting. And there we have... Uh, a, a cheery little scene as they're going over a letter from the twins in which... It is declared that Rosalyn caught us a fine fat trout. Her brother gave her a pair of wolf pelts for her wedding. So this is, um, we learn that uh, Edmir is a hostage and Rob Stark is dead. Tyrion thinks of Sansa praying for her brother's victory and her mother's safety. And it's all just so cruel. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean... You know, we all know that it's, if, I mean, if you're reading the book in chronological order, which I'm not going to pretend that I reread the Red Wedding chapter, but mm-hmm. you know, this is coming and it's just like, oh God, poor Sansa. I mean, like, uh, they like could really not get any worse. They're like, well, well, Disney, like villain, like Disney villains in this scene, aren't they though? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, Joff certainly is. And so is Tywin. God. And Cersei. <laughs> Yeah, Cersei's having a good time twirling her mustache in this scene. I think, like, Joffrey's described as, like, bouncing around. Cersei's got, like, a little smug smile on her face. It's um, a good depiction of villains. We're meant to hate these people. 
See, Tywin is willing to be generous to the river lords who yield, all but Harrenhal. Gregor Clegane has been commanded to take care of the brave companions. Tyrion thinks his father is utilizing the mountain to the last drop before he hands him over to the Dornish. And, yeah, uh, that's interesting. You know what else I find interesting about this? Well, I mean, later on is that um, Tywin doesn't talk to Tyrion at all about uh, Jamie. You know, know, with regard to the brave companions and the fact that he knows that Jamie's on his way back to King's Landing. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, even yeah. think of that. It's kind of like this glaring omission. But, I mean, Tyrion is, you know, saying the whole time how Tywin never tells anybody anything that they don't need to know, so... Well, yeah. and we don't we don't see the entire scene like it just it ends before, you know it doesn't end with him going okay dad see you later you know what I mean like there there could be more after this you know? true true mm. okay um so Joffrey's not really interested in Tywin's plans to you know forgive some of the river lords if they yield and I just pulled a bit of a section of Joffrey at his finest um, they're traitors I want them killed grandfather. I won't have any generous terms. The king turned to Grand Maester Pycell, and I want Rob Stark's head too. Write to Lord Frey and tell him the king commands. I'm going to have it served to Sansa at my wedding feast. Sire, Sir Kevin said in a shocked voice, "The lady is now your aunt by marriage." A jest. Cersei smiled. Joff did not mean it. Yes, I did. Joffrey insisted he was a oh. traitor, and I want his stupid head. I'm going to make Sansa kiss it. No, Tyrion's voice was hoarse. Sansa is no longer yours to torment. Understand that, monster. Joffrey sneered. You're the monster, uncle. Am I? Tyrion cocked his head. Perhaps you should speak more softly to me, then. Monsters are dangerous beasts, and just now kings seem to be dying like flies. I could have your tongue out for saying that, the boy king said, reddening. I'm the king. Cersei put a protective hand on her son's shoulders. Let the dwarf make all the threats he likes, Joff. I want my lord father and my uncle to see what he is. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because, like, Tywin does see what he is, and he's pretty, like, shaken by what he observes here, you know? Because maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but as the chapter goes on, like, he gets, like, sort of unguarded, which almost never happens. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I just imagine him serving under Ares for years, and then he sees this kid, and he's like, oh, God, not this shit again. Not this shit again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Joffrey is kind of the best case for the Jamie and Cersei are secretly heiresses bastards conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, God, know when you won, Joff. Like, you already won. Jesus Christ. Stop. Like, stop trying to win more. <laughs> Uh, so Tywin ignores his daughter and explains to Joffrey, an enemy who defies him must be met with steel and fire. One who kneels must be helped back to his feet. Any man who says, I am the king, is no true king at all. Eris never understood that, but you will. And then Joffrey gets a bit sulky and then erupts on Tywin. And I think this is the part you're alluding to, Jake. And he screams at his grandfather. You talk about Ares, but you were scared of him. And I say screams, I can't remember if he actually screams, but in my head it was like, you know, a little temper tantrum. <laughs> and then, like, Tyrion has this moment where he's like, oh, this is going to be interesting. He's <laughs> like, I don't think too many yeah. people talk to Tywin like that. <laughs> yeah. Tyrion breaks out the Michael Jackson eating popcorn gift. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> so yeah, 
Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's interesting how, you know, he, um, how Tywin goes, like, the only head that you need to concern you is jo- Ty- Marjorie Tyrell's maiden head. I'm just like, is Tyrell, is, is, uh, Tywin like a battle rapper? Why is he talking like this? Like, it's still, it's still like a, it's an arch line, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. I see, it seems like Tywin kind of just, like, just silently stares at his grandson for a minute, and then, you know, Cersei tries to, like, you know, sweep it under the rug a bit by, you know, telling him to apologize to his grandfather. But then Joffrey just goes all in more, and, you know, he basically... This is a double down. Yes! That's exactly what I wrote somewhere. (laughs) He calls him a... He calls Tywin a coward, and he says that while his father, King Robert, was winning all the battles, he just hid under Casterly Rock. (laughs) And, you know, Tywin has Joffrey dismiss and insists Pycelle give him some dream wine. (laughs) Basically, you know, give give this kid some Benadryl and put him to bed. But this is such a great scene because, like, you know, well, I mean, it kind of is alluded to later when Cersei tries to excuse it, but you know he's fucking heard Robert say this before. Oh, yeah. Like, you know it. And that's interesting what this opens up is the idea that, like, maybe he was more invested, like, in pleasing Robert or living up to Robert than a lot of people presupposed. You know, like, like Cersei really wanted to be like, this kid's my kid and really try and mold him that way. But I think he still, like, looked up to his Because, you know, if your dad's a piece of shit. He's still your dad in like a fucked up way, especially in a, especially in a society like this, which is like you know super patriarchal and it's yeah. all about you know like martial prowess and so forth. So yeah, well, this is how George is going to wipe off the whole sending the cat spot to kill Bran on Joff is that Joff wanted to you know please Robert so much, which it, it totally makes sense. I mean, it would make sense for Joffrey. I mean, like Robert was literally the only person on the planet who did ever tell him no you know, before he died. Yeah. Mm. That's funny, because that's, like, a thing... If you ever read, like, Lacanian or Freudian psychology, like, they talk about how, like, the father role is, like, necessary in, like, psychological formation, because, like, the father is the prohibitive force that, like, lays the basis for uh, basically neuroses and sanity, essentially. So it's, like, if he was protected from that, like... You know, I mean, this is like classical, like Freudian, like smothering mother. Yeah. Freudian, Freudian from a humanities perspective, which of course is what you're going to get from an author. <laughs> yes. Right, yeah. Right. I was going to say prohibitive, like anything. It's uh, my experience. It's usually the mothers that are the ones who are like, don't fucking give him candy. He needs to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe in my household. I don't know. <laughs> So let's see. Um, Tywin call. Oh wait. Okay. So once Cersei tries to apologize, you know, calling her son willful, Tywin calls the kid stupid. He asks, "Who taught him?" A king acts boldly. Tyrion adds, "Don't forget the part where he called you a coward. Then you how you hid under Casterly Rock." <laughs> Cersei blames Robert, calling him a brute who once knocked two of Joffrey's baby teeth out because of some mischief with a cat. Okay, so like, granted, oh. granted, that's a bit of a yeah, a, a light explanation of what transpired. <laughs> but God, I'm not damn saying it. I'm not saying you know bashing the kid in the face is okay because definitely not. Well, because that's that's referring to when he like vivisected a pregnant cat, right? Yeah. Like, yes. so yeah. I mean, I'd I'd knock two of his teeth out too, right? Like, that I seems mean, like, like a reasonable. That's at least a smack upside this head. What's wrong with you, boy? 
Yeah, I mean, granted, like, he's not my child, but I would definitely deck him. <laughs> you should definitely get grounded at the bare minimum. I mean, like, I'm not excusing him smacking him in the face, but it's like, it was a pretty horrific thing that he did. And it's that's like, like some you know, Damien shit. Like, my kid yeah. is the devil. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, like, that's not just any, like, oh, the, he's there, he's, he's teasing the cats a little bit. It's like, that's like some Dexter shit. You know, yeah. like, you can't just, you can't just be, like, I can understand, like, a horrified reaction. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, well, it's like it's a little domery. Mod- oh, so yeah, you don't need a you don't even need a modern perspective. I don't feel like to to think that either. I mean, I think it's just this is appalling by any standard. Yeah, it's definitely a moment when you're going to be like, "Oh, this kid cannot be king. What are we going to do?" <laughs> <laughs> and you don't see yeah. any of these people thinking that, <laughs> like Robert, he was going to shirk all responsibility, including oh, yeah. this one, right? Yeah, Robert's Robert's response to that is John Aaron, and then later Ned. You guys deal with it. Somebody else raised this stupid kid. Yeah, it's like beyond raising, you know. Like logic would say, this kid is doing this kind of shit. This isn't just something you like train away by, you know. I uh. you need you need a really advanced bureaucracy or parliament that can just make him into a total figurehead and just do everything around him, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like, sort of like, almost like the Japanese emperor system, where it's literally just someone who signs off on whatever the subordinates do. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, Tywin dismisses Cersei, and Tyrion calls Joffrey Ares the Third. Tywin <laughs> says there is still time. He's thirteen. What he needs is a sharp lesson. And then Tyrion has this moment where he almost feels sorry for Joffrey, remembering his own sharp lesson at thirteen. He asks um, Tywin how long he and Walder Frey were plotting. And Tyrion expresses he doesn't like being left out. And Tywin responds, you know, people who needed to know did. And he says he has too big of a mouth, so he couldn't have told him. They discuss Oberyn Martell and how Tywin wishes it was Doran, a more measured and reasonable man. And um, Tyrion brings up this bit where there is suspicion that Oberyn once tried to raise Dorne in support of Viserys. Uh, Tyrion suggests distracting Oberyn with a tour of King's Landing's brothels, and Tyrion offers to be his guide. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Tywin's not really, not in a very jovial mood, not, not liking the jokes so much. But I still feel like I, I mean, like I realize this has come up in previous chapters, but I just feel like for someone who acknowledges the threat that Oberyn is and how difficult he is to handle, it's weird how Tywin is handling him, which is by basically not, not handling, handling him. him. It's well, just a weird choice. He's pawned off into Tyrion, so if the whole thing goes belly up, he can just pawn it, you know, point to him and say, "Oh, there, there, he, my, my dumb kid fucked up again." And the other thing is. What's really weird, though, is that he acknowledges how cautious and even indolent uh, Duran is, but he doesn't seem to put together that, like, Duran was the one who sent Ober in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is like, what I mean. I, it's, it's, I, I don't know if this is just a lapse on George's part, just not quite fleshing this out far enough. I mean, like, I just don't... I mean, it's like there's too much at stake, though, for Tywin not to care how this goes. I mean, like, this whole thing is being held together with, like, duct tape at this point. <laughs> but that, that, would... that's, their, that's like entire alliance system, though. I think it also is just symptomatic of how tenuous their position really is, you know. But remember, you know, they, the House Lannister was on the verge of certain defeat just, like, a couple books ago, you know. And so... At this point, like anything that they can cobble, that Tywin can cobble together is like a step up from where they were. 
Yeah, but like, why not take this whole Dorn thing in hand, especially since frickin' Marcella's in Dorn? I, I, I mean, like, I just feel like it's just, I mean, it's one of those things where obviously since you don't have Tywin's point of view, you don't exactly know what he's thinking, but it's just like, mm. from the outside, I just don't see enough effort on his part to keep this under control. I mean, it's almost like, does he want it to blow up? I don't even know. Well, I, maybe, I think maybe he wants to slow play it and just kind of frustrate their efforts, and then they'll go back to Dorn by the time the like war is, is calmed down anyway. Maybe having the maybe maybe having the Dornish there right now is just kind of a show of strength, essentially. Like these are the houses we have on our team, and just having them there on the bench kind of gives them a little more credibility. I don't know. I I'm, don't just, know. I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. That's you know that's not a fully formed theory or whatever. But yeah, I think to the bit with Marcella, if any, if Ellie the when we discuss Elia and how he, you know, he says she wasn't even a concern of his. Maybe he's not even thinking about Marcella, although it is his own yeah. family. So man, that's I mean, a I mean, argument too. I'm sure he would, you know, sacrifice her in the right situation, but it's just like, you know, she she is a pawn. She, and you know, I mean, like he he just has dealt with Joffrey. I mean, like it's very evident, you know. If Joffrey is already pushing back against Tywin's leadership, this is like Jake was talking about, where you see Tywin in an unguarded moment because he's so, you know, shaken up, at least Tywin level shaken up by what Joffrey's just done. It's just like, you know, it would be pretty easy for Joffrey to, if he really wanted to, make a move and try to push them all out. So it's just like you'd think he would be, I don't know, thinking further ahead with the Dorn thing. I don't know. Hmm. Wasn't there a theory somewhere too that perhaps Tywin could have been behind Joffrey's murder? Yes. Yes. And I feel like this scene is a good like I I also remembered that conspiracy theory when I was reading this. It was like, yeah, you know, I yeah. I could see I it. I feel like <laughs> I feel like he yeah. might like weigh the weigh the scales of, well, you know, Joffrey's a bit of a handle and I've got two other grandchildren to work with, so why not just get rid of that one? Like that feels like mm-hmm. he might see a because like Tywin cares about his family in that his family is his reputation. So like I could definitely see how killing Joffrey or doing away with Joffrey somehow mm. would be advantageous, both in terms of you know a more stable figurehead, but also would be better for the family reputation. It's like you know just you could- get him out of the way before he does anything really really stupid you can see too how like how disappointed he is in cersei too where he's like you had one job (laughs) you had one job raise this kid not to be a psycho you know (laughs) just (laughs) or at least an idiot if you're gonna be a psycho at least be a smart one (laughs) yeah Let's see. So, um, Tywin's plan is to blame Armory Lorch for the death of Elia and her children. Um, he considers Gregor too valuable an asset just to give up to the Martells. Um, Sir Armory can't defend himself being, you know, dead. So, <laughs> and, uh, we learn that he was killed by a bear thanks to Vargo Hote. Hmm. They discuss the death of Elia and her children, and Tywin says the deed was done too brutally. Elia need not have been harmed at all. Why, he didn't even consider her. His focus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know, it's infuriating. His focus was of, on Ned Stark's forces rushing in from the south, and he was also thinking of Eris. Um, and the real threat that he posed to Jamie probably would have killed him. So what's transpired with the killing of Rhaegar and Elia's children was horrible. 
army and armory was pretty brutal too. We get this little tidbit about him stabbing Rainus like fifty times. <sighs> a two or three year old child. Yes. All because she was screaming. And then <sighs> Tywin throws in this charming, you know, I, I, I don't know, tidbit. Like, you know, all he needed was some soft words and a silk pillow. That would have sufficed. Ugh. These people suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tywin fucking sucks, dude. He fucking sucks. I mean... Yep. I'm glad Kama's not here to have this fight out, but I mean, this is just so cold-heartedly brutal. And just like the offhanded way he's like, oh yeah, Ilya was raped and murdered because I forgot to make sure Gregor knew he wasn't supposed to do that. Oops, my bad. Wow. And like... Details, details. I mean, like, we're talking here about the murder of a toddler and an infant. I mean, it's just... Ugh, God... Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So, let's see. Tyrion asks about Catelyn Stark, and Tywin suspects something must have went wrong, and the letter had stated that there were two wolf skins. Tyrion says, so much for guest rights, and Tywin kind of shrugs this off and, you know, replies, the blood is on Walder Frey's hands, not mine. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the details. River Run is to be given to Walder Frey once it's won. Lancel and Davin are to marry Frey girls. Joy is to be wed to one of Walder's natural sons. And Roose Bolton is to become Warden of the North. He'll be returning with Arya Stark. And this is curious to Tyrion as he and everyone else pretty much figures her dead. Lord Bolton is to wed Arya to his bastard. The Northmen will fight the Ironborn, and then by spring, they should, they should all be tuckered out. Then oh. Tyrion's son by Sansa will claim the North, and it's a nice, tidy, neat little bow. <laughs> so Tyrion asks his father, when he imagines Sansa will be most in the mood to make a son with him, before or after they tell her about what? the murder of her mother and brother. <laughs> I think... I think what's interesting about this chapter is that maybe more so than anything previously, we get kind of a direct look into, like, Tywin's political thinking. Mm. Um, it's interesting also how he kind of confides in Tyrion more than he has elsewhere. You know, because on some level, he didn't need to tell him a lot of this shit. Um, and this is also the part where he basically says, like, explain to me why it's more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen at dinner. Um, it's kind of a look into his sort of moral nihilism. But at the same time, you know, he is like a staunch traditionalist. And so the idea is, you know, anything that can, I mean, it's, it's weird. He's like a traditionalist, but he's also extremely like self-serving vis-a-vis his own house. Like it kind of shows how like the, the political unity of the seven kingdoms, you know, without like strong, that's what like a running thing throughout this entire series without like strong, you know, right of conquest without a strong power base in the center is just completely, you know, fictional and, is you know evaporated within a generation or two. Yeah, mm. and also Tywin's hypocrisy is a, a well documented, although at this point not quite like the extent of it hasn't been revealed yet. But mm. it's kind of a, a lead up to that hypocrisy that he has. That is kind of isn't there a, a George quote about um, a lot of the a lot of the core conflict is the human heart in conflict with itself in this in this mm-hmm. story. Um, so Tywin's would probably be like his 
his adherence to being kind of lawful evil, but then also all of the times that he is decidedly unlawful and actually very chaotic evil. Like, he's, he clearly values order, but will also seed chaos as well as Littlefinger when it suits him. Like, he's very mm-hmm. hypocritical in that. Right. Do you see it too as maybe the, him confiding in, or in Tyrion in this scene is just like he's really proud of himself? Like he's just. <laughs> well, I think we need to get some exposition out, but sure. Yeah, I mean, part of it is literally we're running out of, of runway for uh, George to get this out in Tywin's own words exactly what happened with Robert's rebellion and exactly what his thought process mm. was here so that we know from his own mouth before he dies. Um, it's a lot of it. <laughs> Honestly, I think a lot of it is just George wanting this out so that it, it doesn't, you know, end up as weird conspiracy theories floating around. But I mean, I do think. Well, if he really wanted to prevent those, he'd release the books. But you know. I mean, <laughs> your mouth to George's ear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any parting thoughts or shots about the content of this uh, chapter? I mean, we talk about we talk a lot about how some of Tyrion's chapters in this book have been filler, and like in many ways, there could have been some condensation, other than the fact that it's just because of the chronology they needed to be spread out. But you know, I, I feel a little bit for Tyrion in this chapter. I mean, he really is trying in his own way to be a decent human being. You know, he's trying to be nice to Sansa. You know, trying not to make things any worse for her in his own way, and then it's just like. You see what he's coming from. (laughs) You see, you see the corporation that he's working within, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh god, (laughs) there's just no hope here. Yeah, just when you think like Tyrion's really bad, it's like, well, yeah, look at the people around him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um. Well, and that's kind of why, like, oh, sorry. Oh no, I was I was gonna say that uh, there was a quick uh, Tywin made a, a quick comment about. You talk too much, Tyrion. Your that tongue of yours will be the your undoing at some point. And I just was really like, I really like the theory that Tyrion uh, will lose his like have his tongue cut out literally at some point in oh his gosh. like version, <laughs> in his version of Jaime losing his hand Ooh. and Cersei losing her like hair and beauty and reputation from the Walk of Shame as like, because that's Tyrion's like whole identity is about him speaking. And I'm like, oh please be foreshadowing, please. I would love that. Not even because of my personal feelings around Tyrion. That would just be like that would be so good. Like yeah. paralleling him to his siblings like that. I could buy into that. I mean, it's like horrible and all, but I, I oh yeah, I kind of like it too. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, in the purely literary sense, it's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I think that's going to bring us to the end. How about that mailbag, Eon? <laughs> well, we have one one mail, and it's an iTunes review. Yay! It better be good. Is it good? <laughs> Is it bad? <laughs> uh, well, let me read it, okay? Oh. It's um, regarding our drunk cast 7.0. Oh, no, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Don't I mean, review those guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's by B Titters. Okay. <laughs> four four stars out of five. Okay. So that's not bad. Sorry. Right. I think okay. Says um love the past drunk cast, but I wish for the seventh one you would have answered the questions you thought were inappropriate. It would have been funnier. You must not have been drunk enough. 
Oh, God. I was drunk <laughs> enough. I, like, threw up in my kitchen sink that night, so there. <laughs> <laughs> what what questions did we not answer? I don't even remember. I don't remember. even know. Like, you... <laughs> You're asking the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I love how it's like, I usually listen to every episode, but it's like, I just can never re-listen to the drunk cast, because I just... Yeah, I just, I don't... It's so embarrassing, I can't. <laughs> I did, I did, uh, and it was horrifying. There's like, oh I don't even God. know why the last 20 minutes of that was ever posted <laughs> on the internet. Uh, <gasps> no, be titters, if you want inappropriate questions, you have to send them to us. Yeah, send them so in, we'll can make up for them it. On the next drunk cast. <laughs> There you go. Oh, God. And you can do that by sending it to close the door and at gmail.com. You can yes, also message us at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Um, support us by becoming a patron of this podcast. Find us on Patreon. Please like, review, subscribe wherever you may listen. And I think that's going to bring us to the end. I want to thank the panel. Thanks, guys. This Thank you for you. moderating. Yeah, you guys are very intelligent. This, like, I feel like I need a thesaurus for this one. <laughs> 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 anyway, closing the door. Get out.